Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Whether it's your first time, first time in a while, or uh, you're here every week, you've picked a great Sunday uh, to get the year started. And uh, the reason why I say that it's a great Sunday is because in January, really for all of us, um, we look at a new year as an opportunity for a fresh start, as an opportunity to kind of take a look in the rearview mirror of some of the things that are in our life that maybe we don't really like as much and some things that we hope to be able to change for uh, some of you in the room. Maybe it's to kind of begin a new health journey to lose a little bit of weight or Maybe for some of you, it's uh, to get healthier emotionally. Maybe for some, it's to, to get rid of some of those nagging bad habits that uh, you've been kind of dealing with for, for years. Or maybe for you, um, it's, it's paying off some debt, getting rid of some debt this year. Or maybe it's uh, reprioritizing some things. That's, that's kind of up on my list of resolutions for this year is to just kind of take a look at the things that I'm doing and to begin to identify what's most important and to begin to re-prioritize uh, some of those things. But no matter what your resolution is, no matter what it is that you kind of over the last couple of weeks have been looking into this new year and this fresh start of saying, I, I hope I could be, do this better and do this different. Um, really at the heart of all of our resolutions is a desire that we have to become a better version of ourselves. And uh, I don't know if you're anything like me, but here's how it typically kind of plays out is um, I start off really strong, right? And the first few days, first few weeks, kind of checking the boxes and I'm doing the things and things are going the way that I want them to go. And then over a period of a few weeks, two, three weeks, the desire begins to fade, the motivation begins to fade, the commitment to whatever my resolution was that I wanted to be able to get better at begins to fade. And then by the end of January, our new year looks just like the old year. And so how do we keep that from happening? How do we keep, again, another year uh, uh, after each other year after year? How do we keep that from happening? How do we avoid desiring a better version of ourselves, but never really experiencing it? That's what I want to talk to you about today. If you got your Bible, grab that. If you got your uh, smartphone, wake that thing up and uh, head your way over to Luke 5. I just realized something and it just I just had a revelation from the Lord. Last service, when I said, wake up your phone, um, we had a phone go off, and I think it just happened again, and I think it's the voice command, the voice command of waking up your phone that, that, that gets it talking back to us. But uh, today, wake up your phone, let Siri do whatever Siri wants to do. Siri, go to Luke chapter five. Let's see if it works. And uh, I want to talk to you today uh, from this title, The Barrier to Best. The Barrier to Best. 
You know, um, there's a lot of words that, uh, that we use to describe the, the character and the nature of God. But there's one that we often overlook in our life, and it's probably one of the most important things about God, especially as it relates to whether or not you and I are going to be able to step into what God has for us in 2024. And here's what that word is, principle, that our God is a God of principles. What is a principle? Well, it is a rule of operation for a thing that comes from the creator of that thing that ensures the preservation, the protection, and the productivity of that thing. Let me say it again. A principle is a rule of operation for a thing. It's the way something is supposed to perform or to function that comes from the creator of that thing, right? The creator would be the one that knows how the thing is supposed to function. And that principle ensures the preservation, the protection, and the productivity of that thing. God is a God of principles. And more times than not, the answer to your prayers and the answer to my prayers through the years has come through the form of principles. Think about it this way, as it relates to just, just kind of having um, a sense of peace in our life. You and I don't often receive peace because God decides that he's going to remove all of our problems. Amen? We receive peace because we have chosen to obey a principle, a principle that God shares in Isaiah that says that you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Principles. Principles are the path by which you and I experience God's best in our life, which means that when we ignore those principles, guess what happens? I think we all know what happens. We've all been down the pathway of ignoring God's principles. Chaos begins to erupt in our life. We begin to experience a sense of disappointment about whatever it is that we're hoping for or the direction or the path of our life ultimately we walk through seasons of failure. Maybe it's a failure in a marriage. Maybe it's a failure in a career that if we look back in the rear view mirror of our lives, I would guess that our biggest regrets are because we didn't follow God's principles. God is a God of principles. And what we find in Luke chapter Five is we find a powerful principle that if you and I in 2024 will decide to follow it, that it will become the pathway to a better you 
this next year. In Luke chapter five, Jesus is confronted by uh, the Pharisees, which um, if you're kind of new to the church thing, the Pharisees were the religious group of people back in the day. They were the people that would take the things that God would say to do and then add a bunch of kind of man-made expectations and rules to it. And so in the Bible, they are an analogy of, of really religion, this idea of like you've got to do certain things in order to gain favor from God so that when you die, you could spend eternity with him. And it, it goes totally against scripture and the grace message of Jesus dying on a cross for our sins as a free gift that you and I can receive, that yes, we are on a journey of becoming better, becoming more like Christ, but it isn't about what we do and whether we are perfect in what we do that gains us favor or access to eternity. And so here Jesus is, um, he's with his disciples and the Pharisees come rolling up and, and they're frustrated and they're asking Jesus, like, like, what's the big deal? They're asking him about fasting and they're saying, okay, um, John the Baptist's disciples and we, this is the way we fast a couple times um, a week. And why are you, Jesus, and your disciples not fasting the way that we are fasting? And, um, and Jesus does this Jesus thing. Like if you've ever kind of dug into the gospels and read a little bit of the Bible, Jesus kind of has a way of... Um, I don't know, not really answering the question, <laughs> right? And uh, so Jesus, um, Jesus responds with three analogies to the Pharisees when they're asking this question about fasting. And the first analogy that Jesus gives them is he says, you know, he talks about a wedding and he said, like guests in a wedding aren't going to fast during the wedding they're gonna to go to the wedding and they're gonna celebrate the moment and they will begin to fast after the wedding. And then, and then Jesus gives another analogy and he says, you're not gonna take a new robe and, and, and cut a patch out of the new robe and sew it onto an old ripped robe. And you're not gonna do that because you're gonna ruin the new one but then you're gonna end up putting a patch on the old one that doesn't match. And then Jesus has this third analogy and it's the third analogy that, um, that I wanna talk about today. And it's the analogy that I believe God has laid on my heart as far as a message for the TC house as it relates to 2024. And we find this third analogy in verse 37 and 38. Here's what Jesus says up here on the screens. It says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Say old wineskins. Good job. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. Verse 38 says, new wine 
that it must be stored in not old wineskins, but new wineskins. Now, although Jesus is making this analogy and this response to the Pharisees regarding fasting, he's given us a glimpse into a principle that applies to every area of our lives. And I'm going to show you what that is here in just a second. You see, in those days, in that geographical region, there were vineyards everywhere. So for Jesus to use this analogy um, as a way to kind of contradict and kind of come against what the Pharisees, their expectations of what Jesus and the disciples should be doing was kind of a, a common thing for them to understand in those days because the grape played really a vital role in their daily lives. Grapes could be eaten. Grapes could be dried out and become raisins, which could be eaten. But then grapes could also be turned into wine. And the reason why this is kind of important is because in those days, water, water wasn't the kind of, um, it wasn't as easy to come by as it is today. You and I can go out here, we can drink out of that nasty old water fountain down by the men's and women's restroom, which by the way, I don't know if it'll ruin your day, but I've seen kids suck on the end of that. So I, I, would, stay, I would stay away from it. I would stay away from it. I'd stay away from it. <laughs> but we have access to clean water. Um, we can get it at any time that we want to get it. But in those days, they didn't have access like we do. And so for the most part, they had to choose from three options when they were thirsty. The first was stagnant water that could eventually lead to some sort of sickness. And as you know, they didn't, they didn't have the Dr. Hanses back in, in the day. And so sickness was something they would try to, they would try to avoid, right? The second option <laughs> that they had was warm goat's milk. Doesn't that sound tasty? Warm goat's milk. So you had stagnant water that could lead to sickness, or you had warm goat's milk, or you can have wine, which would explain why wine was something that was used throughout the ancient biblical times, why we see it throughout scripture. And as you can imagine, the process of creating wine was quite a bit different back then than it is now. Back then, the way that they would do it is they would harvest the grapes by hand. So they would have a vineyard that's laid out and by hand they would go and they would pick the, the grapes and by hand they would sort the grapes. They would determine which one is a keeper, which one's not a keeper. Uh, and then, then they, they would press the grapes. Now, the pressing part of the grapes, um, yeah, I'm not so sure I would have been around that back in the day. The way that they pressed the grapes is they had these big kind of rock structures. Think, um, um, 
think like half the size of a swimming pool, all right? And it's a rock structure. And they would put all the grapes into one end of those. And the way that they would press the grapes in order to create uh, the juice that eventually would become the wine is that people would get inside of that little pool with no shoes on. Now keep in mind, they wore sandals back in the day and they would get in and they would just start stepping all over the grapes, breaking it down so that the juice would then, and then as the juice would rise, like it's getting all like between their toes and coming up over and, and uh, some of them I'm sure got hairy legs. So you got like, I mean, you got, you got all that stuff going on in order to press the grapes and then they would take the, the fluid and the fermenting process, there would be a couple stages, but, but kind of the second stage of that is they would take um, goat skin, and I got a picture, uh, it was actually taken back in the New Testament days. Um, I was just kidding, it wasn't taken back in the New Testament days. Um, but... <clears throat> They would take a goat skin and they would, they would sew the, the edges of it in order to create a container and they would put the juice inside of that and over a period of time, um, it would ferment and it would become wine. Now, the reason why they would use the goat skin was because animal skins was, was flexible, it was pliable. So as they would put the juice in and as some of the skin would, would the, the fermenting process of the yeast in the skin and it would begin to interact with the grapes and that fermenting process uh, would create uh, carbon dioxide gases, right? Here's the thing, if they didn't deal with those gases in a proper way, ultimately what would happen would be an explosion. That sounds like a setup line for a really nasty dad joke, doesn't it? <laughs> Gases treated in an improper way creates an explosion. Anyway. Sometimes I hate having attention deficit disorder. <laughs> um, anyway. So, where was I? So what would happen, right, is they would put that in there, the gases would begin to, to start moving, and it would cause the goat skin to adjust, to stretch, to move. And as the fermenting process in the wine uh, began to work into all the little kind of crevices of the goat skin, the gases would then begin to release through where the skin was sewed together so that at the end of the fermenting process, they could drink the wine. Now, here's the thing about that process that Jesus was getting at in Luke chapter five, is that the wineskins, the goatskin, the wineskins could only be used one time. Once they went through the initial process of fermenting and stretched and, and, and moved around, they could not move anymore. 
And so if people drank all the wine out of it and then put new wine in it that would have to then ferment and create flexibility with the skin, the skin would not be able to flex. And what ends up happening is that the skin would burst and you would lose the wine skin and you would lose the wine. And so Jesus is pointing this out to the Pharisees and and really setting the foundation of a principle that applies to every area of our lives that we can't put new into old. And so you're thinking, okay, Ryan, what in the world does ancient winemaking have to do with my 2024 and my resolutions and what I'm believing for in my life and my career and my family? And it's this, that what you and I are able to walk into, right, the new wine, the new of what God wants to do in our life this year It's going to be determined by what we are willing to walk out of. Let me explain that again. The old, and God wants to do the new. And the only way that you and I are going to experience the new of what God wants to do is for us to leave the old and to walk towards the new. New wine needs a new wineskin. The problem is, is more times than not, and I fall in this boat too, is that we come out of a year, and I don't know what your 2023 looked like. Maybe it was a great year. Maybe it was a crappy year. Like, Like maybe you were excited for 2024 to come. Like you just need a change. You need something different. Like like you can't have the same old, same old, but, but what often happens in our life is that we wish for things to be better. If you're a personality like me, you create like lists and, and you've got all your checkbox of all the different things that you wanna be different and better going into the next year. But what you and I tend to do, what our human nature is, is to try to squeeze all of the new into the old mindset and the old way of living. Like I want the new, I want the better marriage, I want the better relationship with my kids, like all that stuff. But I don't wanna change the way that I live my life. Like I don't wanna lay things down that I enjoy, that I like. Like I don't wanna, I don't wanna parent different. Like this is the way that parenting should be. And so, so, all of this change that I want with my kids, like it, I'm not changing, they need to change. Like, like marriage-wise, like, like I want restoration in my marriage, but, but I ain't budging. Like I'm not letting it go, like they did me wrong, like whatever it is, right? And we just have this tendency, the human nature in all of us, the tendency to want the new to want the better version of ourselves, but to try to squeeze it into our old mindset and old way of living. And months go by and years go by. And for some decades go by and nothing 
Nothing ever changes. Maybe you take a couple baby steps towards a better version of you, but it's, it's almost like it's almost like every year that you step into, you're, you're carrying all of this weight and baggage from all the previous years that you've lived. And the reason why, friend, that happens to you and I is because everything inside of us, and God has designed us in this way, craves God's promises and God's best in our life. But we end up living a life ignoring the very principles that produce it. And eventually, chaos surrounds our life and our relationships. We grow disappointed discouraged, eventually failure starts to seep in and we look back and and we feel like we're a failure in our marriage, we feel like we're a failure with, with parenting, we feel like we're a failure with our career, we feel like we're a failure with with our purpose, the thing that God like God like breathed into us years ago and we drifted at some point away from God and began to kind of do the old wineskin the way that we want to. And, and here we are now trying to, get, trying to get back to what God has, but we're still living in the old wineskin. And, and so many times we end up living in this kind of realm in our life and kind of the in-between where we're not really who we used to be, but we're not who God has designed us to be. And we live in the, in the middle And Jesus says something in the next verse that, he says something in the next verse that I think is a snapshot of what a lot of us do when we live in the middle. He makes a statement, he says, no one who drinks the old wine, like the old days, the, the, the old way of living, the old mindset, like nobody drinks the old wine. They, they don't even seem to want the new anymore. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a season in your spiritual journey where the idea, the unexpectedness of what could be in the new is more scary than the reality of the the old, the pain that, and the chaos that we're constantly living in. And so you find yourself in this like, in this gap kind of realm where you're not really a real bad person, but you know that there's just such distance, there's such a gap between who you know God has created and what you're currently living And Jesus says that oftentimes in those seasons that we get to the point to where we're just, we're cool with the old. We don't even want the new anymore. And then look what he says. This is, I think, the saddest five words, arguably, in the entire Bible. 
Jesus tells them, here's what they say. They say that the old is just fine. In other words, I know I'm not where I need to be. I know I'm not where God has called me to be. But the fear of what it's going to take to get there and the courage, I'm, I'm just fine. I'm just fine. Friend, what's the, what's the old mindset? Like, what's that old mindset that that Jesus is, is kind of setting out for us as a congregation in 2024? What's that, what's that old wineskin that he's, he's wanting to put in the new, but we keep trying to put it in the old, and if we could just get rid of the old, then we can begin to step into the new. What is that old mindset? Like, like what's the thing that we need to choose to walk out of, to walk away from, so that we can walk into all that God has for us in this next year. This is what God laid on my heart. This is for this house. This is what he laid on my heart, that we can't be our best self by ourselves. We can't be our best self by ourselves, that the very foundation of, of all the lists that, that you have and I have of the things that we want to be better in and do different and, and all of that stuff, at the foundation that all of that stuff is built on, like maybe we get a different job and after the excitement of the new job wears off, we're still gonna be stuck in the middle because we took the new job and we put it into the old mindset. Maybe we get into a new relationship. We get six months down and now we're going through the same junk that we went through in the previous relationship. And it's because we took the new and we tried to squeeze it back into the old. The old mindset that is at the foundation of all the different things that you and I list in our life that we believe will help get us to a better version of ourselves this year is to understand that we can't do life alone. We can't do it. Eugene Peterson, the pastor, he's, if you're familiar with the new message or the, uh, the message version of the Bible, he's the one that developed that. Look what he said. He said, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life. Maturity, key word, right? Bible talks about um, babes in Christ, right? Talks about at some point you got to get off the bottle in your relationship with God and be a spiritual meat eater, right? 
And what, what he's saying is, is there could be no maturity. Like you're gonna, your relationship with God is always gonna be from the bottle. That there could be no maturity in the spiritual life, no, no real obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and an embrace of community. In other words, what he's saying is that we have to change our perspective and keep this up on the screen. We have to change our perspective from church as an event, right? An event that we attend periodically from time to time or on a Sunday where we come in and I don't know about you, but it's easy to be like, hey, what's up? What's up, brother? Like, like, that's why everybody says brother, sister in church is because nobody knows each other. They just recognize a face. It's not community. It's an event. And you see some of the same faces at the event that you go to. And what he's trying to help us understand is that we can't be who God has called us to be if we look at this as an event that it requires us to change the old mindset of I kind of have mine and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of live my spiritual life on an island and I got a couple little people that are close, but I'm gonna kind of do my own thing, but I'm gonna attend the church event on Sunday. And we think our life is gonna get better or different. And what he's saying is, is you gotta change the mindset you got to move from the old wineskin to a new mindset, a new wineskin of shifting your focus from event to community. Like these are the people that, and it's not the only people, but these are the people that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do life with. And Eugene Peterson says, listen, I am not myself by myself. Church, this is what God is, this is the message that God has for any person that calls TC home for 2024. And the message is, if you want the new of what God wants to do in your life, you've got to change the old mindset, which is I'm going to salt and pepper church and the fellowship of believers on my life. Like I'm going to live life as a compartment and kind of like Thanksgiving, right? You get, you, you get the, the plates that got the, the compartments. And I don't, I don't know about you, but, but, but I don't always want my food to touch. <laughs> and oftentimes our spiritual journey, the way that we relate to Jesus and the body of Christ is like a compartmentalized plate where we say, I've got this part and I'll, I'll attend this event, this church service event a couple times a month. Um, but I don't want it to touch the other compartments of my life. Like, like I'm still gonna have my dudes that I go out with on Friday night and have a couple beers and just we're old friends and we're just gonna hang out. 
Like I got my chicks that I'm gonna go out with and I'm gonna walk around the mall. We're just gonna talk about all the other people, right? Or I got all my, my priorities. Many of those are good priorities, but, but I'm not gonna really bring in the God compartment into any other area of my life and what Eugene Peterson is helping us understand and what Jesus is helping us understand this parable about the new wine and the old wineskins and what I feel like God's laid on my heart for this house is that we can't keep living life that way and expecting different results. If we want to get out of the gap We don't feel like we're as bad as we used to be, but we're just not quite fulfilled and feeling like we're smack dab in the middle of what God's doing in my life. The only way that we're gonna get out of that gap is to choose to change our mindset and to recognize that I can't be my best self by myself. That I have to to put myself out there. I have to be a little bit courageous and vulnerable and to step out and to put my hand out to somebody I don't know. And instead of saying, brother, pull them in and say, bro, what's your name? Like I've got to surround myself with people that are going in the same direction, imperfect people, but people nonetheless that are headed in the same direction direction. And if I'm not willing to do that, it doesn't mean that we're gonna, you're going to die and go to hell, but it does mean that the very price that Jesus paid on the cross, which mind you, wasn't just to forgive your sins, <laughs> but it was to transform your life. So that your life didn't have to be identified by all of your baggage and regrets and mistakes. But it could be identified by the blood of Jesus and the purpose by which you were created. In that season in the fall, as I began to pray, and I'm almost done, as I began to pray, I'm a visual person, and this is what the Lord just kind of dropped in my heart to help me see where our church currently is. And it was this funnel. And what broke my heart when God began to, to just reveal this to me is that he said, Ryan, most of your church is right here. They come to the event. They leave discouraged and frustrated every week living the same life. 
not really experiencing the true victory that we have in Christ because we've only scratched the surface of the tool, the vehicle by which biblically God uses for us to become all that God has created us to be and that is his bride, the church. Here's what I think he's challenging all of us to in this next year. To have the courage to take a step down the funnel. And I don't know where you are currently. Maybe you're in the season where you're just, you're here and it's just, the fact that you can get here is enough, right? An awesome way to go. But in 2024, if you want to begin to see a better version of yourself and what God has for you, then you've got to take a step down the funnel. You've got to begin to move away from church as an event to church as a community of people that I'm doing life with, that I'm growing with. And so our vision, what God's laid on my heart for this next year is friends to family. That we're gonna make a conscious effort in our journey with God in 2024. That we're gonna move from a friend to family. I don't know if you remember 2020. Something happened in 2020, I don't... We were pastoring in Washington, and uh, for the first time in my life, I understood why community was so important. Because when we got pulled out of churches, when we had to isolate and to be all by ourselves, as a pastor, the phone calls that I kept getting were people in our church who had been cleaned for years that because of the isolation began to drift back into addiction. Marriages beginning to pull apart. Relationships beginning to pull apart. Maybe you remember that season in your life and loneliness and whether you're a people person or not a people person, there was this, this part of you that was missing because you didn't have the ability to connect with other people. And I don't know if God, I don't know how all this stuff works. If that was a season that God allowed us to walk through, but I do know this, is that it's certainly identified the biblical reality that we can't do life alone. That we can't be the best version of ourselves all by ourselves. So friend, I believe the challenge that God has for all of us, including myself in 2024, is to not allow the barrier of the old mindset 
the barrier of the old way of living, the old way of identifying with church, the old way of looking at this as an event to keep us from the blessing of a faithful God. God has new wine. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life in 2024. Don't settle for the middle. Don't allow yourself to stay in a place where you say, like Jesus said, I'm fine with the old. God has exceedingly, abundantly, of all that you could ever ask for, think or imagine, planned for you, but you can only see it the new wineskin. Would you bow your head with me today? Every Sunday I like to close with us asking this question between us and God. I want you to ask it this morning. God, what are you saying to me today? And this message about ancient winemaking and old wine, new wine, old wineskins, new wineskins. God, what are you saying to me today? And maybe for some of you, he's, he's pointing out why things haven't been changing. And maybe for some of you, he's beginning to stir your heart and to help you see that, that you've kind of been in this season of just kind of settling for the old or or maybe today he's showing you the, the missing piece in your life. Like you've been asking the question, God, why are things not changing? And all of a sudden today, he's revealed the answer. That the reason why things aren't changing is because you've been trying to squeeze the new into the old. Or maybe, maybe for some of you today, maybe the new wine skin for you is a newly surrendered heart. That you're here today as the first Sunday of a new year and the desire for a better version of you. And, and maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or, or maybe you're here and you just feel this massive gap between you and God. And everything inside of you longs for different, longs for better. But today you recognize that the new wine skin for you is a new relationship with him. With every head bowed and eye closed, I'm not gonna ask you to stand or come forward, but if that's you today, if you sense that the Lord is stirring in your heart today, that it's time to kind of reset your life spiritually, to fully surrender to him right there where you're seating as a declaration between you and God, I want you to take just a second. I want you to slip up your hand and say, God, that's me. That God, that's me that, that I recognize that I've been living my life my way. I recognize I've been trying to squeeze the new into the old. And today I feel the prompting of your spirit inviting me into a new, fresh surrendered 
relationship with you. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah. God has new wine. And if we'll bring the new wineskin, the new way of thinking, the new mindset, the new perspective of the most important thing in Jesus' eyes, his bride. You and I are gonna begin to see a better version of ourselves this next year. Friends, would you stand with me today? And If you raised your hand just a few moments ago and said, Ryan, I sense it's time to surrender my life to God. I wanna invite you at the end of the service in just a moment, I'm gonna pray and then at the end when the band kicks in, I wanna invite you to grab your stuff from wherever you're seated and to make your way to one of our prayer corners in the side where the string lights are and our prayer team is over there and they wanna, they wanna pray with you, lead you in that prayer and they've got some information that can help you get started. But guys, these corners aren't just for those that are wanting to rededicate their lives. These corners are also for those that just, you're tired, like, like let's be honest. Like sometimes we, it might be a new year, but a lot of times we're still carrying the old baggage. And these guys are there to be able to agree with you and to pray with you and to love on you today. Hey, if today's your first time visiting with us, welcome, welcome, welcome. Make sure you stop by the Connect Center on your way out to get your free gift today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for just such a sweet presence of your Holy Spirit that's in this room today. Father, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And today, this first Sunday of 2024, Lord, we set and fix our gaze on you. That Lord, we choose to fully surrender ourselves. That today we choose to change the old wineskin, the old mindset, to begin to reset our thinking of you and your bride. Father, we just invite your new into our lives. Father, we give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.